Right on. Hey, don't miss Volunteer Appreciation Day, Sunday, May 21st, 4 o'clock. You don't have to even register. Just show up, okay? Because we want to honor you. Those of you watching online, 4 o'clock, be there. We'd love to have you there. You know, it's, a, it's an incredible privilege just to be with you here today. Just, you know, as we talk about God's word and, you know, today's one of those messages. I'm excited just to see how this lands with you because in some ways I think this is going to be a really difficult message. In some ways this is going to be the most rewarding message that I think uh, God has for you. I'm just really excited about it. But, you know, I, I want to start. I want to tell you a story. Um, for 23 years, I was a high school English teacher. You know, so I did all those books, Great Gatsby and Huck Finn and Mockingbird and Romeo and Juliet. And, you know, I'm trying to teach 15-year-old boys why, you know, Romeo and Juliet's an important play and things like that. Um, one of the things we taught, and it was in ninth grade curriculum, was the Odyssey. And yeah, that was about the response that my ninth graders gave too. They're like, seriously, this was written like thousands of years ago. Is it a play? Is it a poem? Is it a story? You know, so Homer wrote this story, uh, The Odyssey, and it's about the Trojan War, and it's Odysseus's return back from war, and it has all these different adventures. And so, it, you know, it was tough. It was, it was tough for the kids to really grasp it. But there is one assignment that the kids really got into, and it's one of my favorite assignments, you know, that we did with the kids, that they had to act out one scene of the play. And, you know, when you got 15-year-olds doing this, you never know what to expect. And most kids would choose one of two things. They would either choose the Cyclops, you know, Polyphemus, and his, you know, they'd make, you know, these giant heads with one eye, you know, smash them in class. And it was really a cool thing. But the one that really captivated me was so many kids wanted to do the sirens. And the sirens, you know, if you don't remember back, some of you are in ninth grade right now, you're like, I don't even remember reading this in, you know, in February. But the sirens were these bird women that they would sing these beautiful songs to lure the sailors over to the rocks where their boats would crash. And so Odysseus, he wanted to hear the song. So they tied him up to the mast. The sailors put wax in their ears because he wanted to hear this song. And so how the kids acted this out was awesome. And every year, the same, the same drama would unfold in my classroom. They would put a kid right in the middle of the classroom, and he was their Odysseus. And then in one corner... What they would do is they would have trophies and medals kind of like this, you know, kind of like, hey, don't you want fame? You know, come this way. And then in another corner, you know, it'd be this kid with all these dollar, dollar bills, y'all, you know, and just like, come this way. Wealth is what's going to lure you away. The third one, though, you know, when you got 15-year-olds, it's Twinkies and Coke and candy bars. You know, as a teacher, I'm like, you know, hey, just got to make sure this is safe for all of you. Um, it, you know, the enticements of the flesh. And then the fourth corner, up in the front, they had hold up these posters of these famous people, you know, like the Jones brothers up here, you know, Michael and Mark and Matthew. And, you know, we love the Jones brothers. Um, you know, for, I think they just came up with a new album called The Album or something. I don't know. For all you older people, let me give you a better picture that might be more enticing because... <laughs> 
I love all the kids are just like, I don't get it. How do you not get the Do Run Run by Sean Cassidy? It's like one of the all-time songs and chachis on there. And, and, that's, and so the question was, what entices you? What entices you over there? And, you know, in a sense, that's what we're talking about today. And here's like, how are we going from Chachi to Jesus? You know, but trust me, we're, we're going to get there. Because it's, it's that question as we're walking through experiencing God is what adjustments or changes do you need to make in your life? And what is it that lures you away from making that adjustment? That's, that's where we're going to hang out because we're in week six of this series called Experiencing God. And so over the last six weeks, you know, week one, we talked about, you know, God is at work. God's at work today. Number two, God pursues a relationship with you. He wants relationship with you. The third week, God invites you to get involved. I mean, that's what volunteer appreciation is about. People are getting involved in the work of ministry. And then the fourth week, you remember Trevor a couple weeks ago, you know, he was talking about God speaks. God speaks. Even today, God speaks. And then last week, Bree was here, and she was talking about this crisis of belief that often we go through where a God speaks, he's challenging us, and it's kind of this, God, help me in my unbelief. But today, what we're going to talk about is the adjustment. What needs to shift in your life? And then next week, we're going to wrap up the series, you know, and so excited about that. But as we've gone through this series, we've hung out in the book of Exodus. And so the book of Exodus, you know, maybe the Bible, maybe, maybe this is foreign to you. So the Bible's really two parts. The Old Testament, which is like creation to a couple hundred years before the birth of Jesus. And then the New Testament, the birth of Jesus for about 100 years, the foundations of the church. Exodus is the second book of the Old Testament. Genesis, the creation story, and then Exodus, which is really the story of the exit of the Jews from slavery in Egypt. And you know, we've looked at the story of Moses as we've gone through this. So Moses was this guy, it's not Charlton Heston, you know, I, I see, I'm gonna get totally ripped for this in our post-service. Like, Steve, do you have any reference after 1980? And I don't, okay? So we're just gonna go with that. But Moses was this guy, he lived about 3,500 years ago, okay? He, when he was a baby, his, his mom put him in the river because they were gonna, the Egyptians were gonna kill all the Hebrew babies. And so he was found by the Pharaoh's daughter, and he was raised in the courts there in Egypt. But Moses, as, as a, a grown man, he killed a guy, and so he fled. But then the story gets really cool because God shows up in the, in the burning bush and begins to speak to Moses. And he says, Moses, Moses. And Moses says three words back to him. He says, here am I. And this isn't God taking attendance, like, you know, present. You know, here am I isn't that. Here am I, you know, is, is the word hanani. Hanani means, loosely translated, whatever you're about to ask, I'm already in agreement with it. Whatever you're about to ask. So Moses is standing there going, here am I. And God tells Moses, 
I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to go to the Pharaoh, and I want you to bring the slaves, bring the Jews out of Egypt to the promised land. And Moses, and, I mean, I, I, I gotta be honest with you, in, in, right in this sermon, I feel like I'm preaching to the mirror a little bit, okay? So kind of hang with me because I think there's a place, you know, that we're all kind of wrestling with this, that Moses gives, you know, these responses, but God, what if, what if they don't believe me? But God, I stutter, I have this speech impediment. You know, what if I can't communicate clearly? And then Moses, like so many of us, he finally gets, gets to the last line and he just says, God, send somebody else. And I know I've done that numerous times. Like, God, I don't want to do that. Just send somebody else, you know? And, and so that's the story of Moses. But it brings us to Exodus chapter 4, verse 19, because this is where the adjustment happens. In Exodus 4, it says, Before Moses left Midian, the Lord said to him, Return to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you have died. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and headed back to the land of Egypt. God spoke. Moses had to make this adjustment. Am I going to obey this, or am I not? And this is what we want to talk about today. It's that point of making a change, making an adjustment in your life. And, you know, it really is. It's a difficult thing. It, it, in some ways, it's so difficult, but in some ways, it's so easy. When, when you start to encounter that deep love relationship with Jesus, it's just like, God, whatever. Whatever you want to ask. I, I, I just want to be in relationship with you. But sometimes, I know me included, it's like, I just don't want to do the work to get there. I don't want to take that step of faith to get there. I don't want to take the risk to get there. And you know, I think about that step of faith so often we just think, God, I, I don't know for sure. I know this is a step of faith. I think it was Mark Batterson, this pastor in DC, he wrote this book and he said, you can never be more than 80% certain of anything. Because if you are, it takes faith out of the equation. And I, I think about those moments in my life of, of those greatest steps of faith. It, I wasn't 100% sure. And, but I knew God says, walk by faith and not by sight. And that's the beauty of walking with Jesus. And, you know, over the years, you know, I've had opportunities to talk Jesus with a lot of different people, sitting on airplanes, you know, sitting up in my office, sitting in my classroom when I was teaching. And the part I love about talking about Jesus is the good stuff, the easy stuff, the, the stuff we all like, you know, for God so loved the world. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Cast your cares upon him because he loves you. And I know the plans I have for you. All of those are true. So I don't want to discount any of those. Those are all true. And man, I hang on to those. Wait, God, you love me? You love me? I can't even fathom that the God of the universe would love me or you. And just think, God, I love that part. But today I want to talk a little bit about the hard stuff. Because sometimes, you know, we just, we just want this stuff, but we don't want this stuff. 
And, and so Jesus is talking to his disciples in Mark chapter 8. And so Mark, we talked about the two parts of the Bible, the New Testament, the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels, each telling the story of Jesus' life, okay? And so Mark, in chapter 8, he says this. This is Jesus. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Jesus, so that's what Jesus said. You, you must give up your own way and follow me. Follow me. Follow me. You know, let, let me tell you another story. I want to tell you a story about Doug. You know, the first adult I ever got a chance to share the gospel with was Doug. Doug, I was teaching at Rogers High School. Doug was a history teacher there. Everybody loved Doug. You know, he was a defensive end at Eastern, just this big, high energy. He was like a magnet. Kids loved Doug. And my wife and I, we were doing Young Life Ministry, and we invited Doug to come hang out with the kids because we knew if Doug was there, 50 more kids would show up because they just loved Doug. And, but it came time for camp. And so being with Young Life, the big Young Life camp is called Malibu. This is a picture of Malibu. It's up in British Columbia. Incredible. Young Life has some incredible sites. Like uh, our middle school kids are going down to Washington Family Ranch, which is a Young Life site. But this camp was incredible. And so our area director, he goes, I want you to bring Doug. And I was like, Scott, Doug's not even a believer. How's he going to lead these kids to Christ? He, he's not even there. He goes, just, Steve, just bring Doug, okay? And so we did. And, you know, so we're going through the week. Each night, you know, they bring all the kids together. There's four or 500 kids at camp. And each night, the speaker uh, does a message and just systematically works through the gospel. There is a God. God loves you and desires a relationship with you. Because of our sin, we have separated ourselves from God. But God's plan of redemption was to send Jesus to come down to this earth and die on the cross and to be raised again, conquering sin. And so that night when he gave the salvation message, the speaker, he said, hey, I want all of you to go out, find a quiet place and spend 15, 20, 25 minutes just processing that. And I knew exactly where I wanted to go. If you can put that picture up and just keep it up for a little bit. Right there at Flag Rock. It's looking over the inlet. It, and, you know, it's nighttime. And so I start walking out to Flag Rock. And I see the silhouette of a man there. And I was like, Doug? And he goes, Steve, we got to talk. And I was like, what's up? He goes, what that guy was talking about? I want that. I want that. How do I get that? And it's like, Doug, he's laid it out for you. I said, what is it that's holding you back from saying yes? And, and you know, and Doug, he's like, you know, honestly, it's fear. 
It's, what if God asked me to give up something I don't wanna give up? What if he asked me to give up his, my golf game? And I'm like, Doug, I've seen your golf game. That'd be a good thing. But what if he asked me to give up football? What if he asked me, and he, and he listed you know, multiple things. And I was like, but Doug, that's not, that's not how it works with Jesus. It's not like Jesus says, hey, here's the whole list of the do's, and here's the whole list of the don'ts. Do these, don't do these. That's not, it's, it, that's just behavior modification. That's, you know, th- there's nothing relational about that. Jesus is in the spiritual transformation business. And I said, Doug, here's what happens. When you come to that point saying, I surrender, I wanna follow you, the Holy Spirit is gonna indwell you. And it's the Holy Spirit in you that begins to change your desires. Those things that were important may be less important. Or God may say, no, I need you to coach football. I want some godly coaches out there to reach, reach these young guys you know, with the gospel. I don't know what God's gonna do, but Doug, trust him. God's got an amazing plan. And so right there on Flag Rock, Doug put his faith in Jesus. And he goes, Steve, I gotta go tell my wife. So he runs you know, and gets Deborah. My wife carries there. And we pray with Deborah and the two of them there at Young Life Camp put their faith in Jesus. And, you know, and it's just like, God, it's just, it's so simple. Follow me. It's just about follow me. You know, and, and that's kind of the story of scripture. We are walking this way and now we're walking this way. We are doing life this way and now God says, we're gonna do it this way because you're gonna follow me. But so often, you know, that may seem daunting for people. You know, I don't know where you're at sitting in this room. I don't know where you're at online. You know, just in your faith journey, sometimes it seems daunting. It's like, oh, this is all new to me. I'm not so sure I want to follow Jesus fully. I want to follow him some. You know, maybe it's, it just feels too risky. Well, what if it doesn't turn out well? What if people don't support me in this? And all of a sudden, it's like, man, we're sounding like Moses. God, well, you know, what if, what if this? What if this? You know, what, what if it's harder things? You don't know my struggles. You don't know my past. You don't know some of the things and the hurts I've gone through. Maybe it's the as soon as disease. Well, as soon as I graduate, as soon as I get married, as soon as I have kids, as, as soon as I have that good job, as soon as I retire, as soon as they finish my funeral, I, I don't know. And you know, it's, it's sometimes we get that disease, we wait for the, you know, this situation to happen. Jesus saying, no, right now, follow me. But you don't know my past. I've been let down by people. I'm afraid. And that's what Bree was talking about last week. It's that crisis of unbelief. It's like, you know, I just know Jesus said to follow him, and so I'm going to follow him. You know, when, when I was down at WSU in the mid-80s as a college student, you know, I, I'd been a believer for a, just over a year, and I was just young, young in my faith. I'd never read the Bible. I knew I loved Jesus, wasn't exactly sure why, and so I, I was in my dorm, and this guy, Dennis LeBlanc, he goes, hey, Steve, you want to study the Bible together every morning? Let's get up 15 minutes early and do a Bible study. 
I was like, okay, that sounds great. So four or five times a week, we would get up 15 minutes early in the study on the eighth floor of Stevenson North. Dennis and I did a Bible study every morning. And it was this adjustment I had to make in my life because I wanted to know more about who Jesus was. You know, and it's 15 minutes. It's a pretty simple choice. And then it became, gosh, I want to live with this group of Christian guys on campus, but they live clear down at Rainy Park, like the farthest spot from the baseball field where I want to end the English center where I spent most of my time. And it was up this giant hill. I mean, my calves were ripped, you know, once upon a time. But it was, it was a sacrifice. I could live with some of my baseball buddies and be a minute from the baseball field, or I could be 30 minutes from the baseball field and have to walk and just be in this fellowship. And it's like, God, it's worth the sacrifice. It's worth making that adjustment. And then sometimes those simple things became harder. But really, where it was lived out was in Joshua chapter 3. Joshua is uh, one of the books in the, New Te- or the Old Testament. Um, and Joshua is the one that Moses handed off to to say, lead my people as Moses is going to die. And they're at the edge of the Jordan River. The river's at flood stage. And God says, step in and see what I can do. And so Joshua's there, and he steps in, and the river stops. Because God was totally at work, miles upstream, to prepare for that moment. And you know, for you, maybe it's the same thing. God's telling you to step in. God might be saying, would you just make this one adjustment today? You know, sometimes it's just do one thing and then do another and then do another. Sometimes we're like, I'm going to change everything all at once. That may work. It works for some people. It didn't work for me. But for you, what's one thing that God is saying, Michael, step in, step in. Terry, what's one thing that God's saying, step in? Because I'm convinced when your head hits the pillow tonight, when your head hits the pillow tomorrow, you know that area of your life that God's saying, I want you to change this. I want you to adjust this. I want you to follow me. And, but there's this side of the flesh that where it's like, I'm not sure that's what I want to do. And so, you know, it's kind of like that story of the odyssey. What is it that's going to lure us away? God's just saying, I have this beautiful plan for you. I want this relationship with you. I want to do life with you. And inside we're just like, well, I'm scared. I'm prideful. I'm, I'm selfish. I'm fearful. I, I just don't have time. You know, I don't know what it is, but what's luring you away? Is it the desires of the world? But here's what Karl Barth, Karl Barth's this theologian, and he said, you know what the siren of our age is? He said, it's comfort. It's comfort. Comfort is the siren. Comfort is the thing that lures us away from the things that God has. Because so much of our life is trying to build this life of comfort, of ease, of plenty, of security. And Jesus is just saying, no, follow me. Follow me. You know, I've I've been with house church pastors in China. I've been in jungles of Africa and the Middle East at, you know, some closed secret churches. And 
I almost think John Piper was right when he said, I think America may be the toughest country to be a Christian in because it's safe, it's easy, it's comfortable. There's, there's not a cost. But when we follow Jesus, that's not what Jesus is calling us to. He's not calling us to a life on a cruise ship. He's calling us to a life on a battleship. He's saying, get in the game because I have a plan for you. I wanna walk this with you. And you know, today, I, I wanna wrap up um, with this one passage. This is in Luke chapter five. And, and this is one of my favorite passages in scripture because I, I just, I love Jesus' heart in this and I love what Peter's response. And so in Luke 5, it says this. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, Simon's Peter, that's his other name, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Peter, now go out where it's deeper. Let down your nets for a catch of some fish. Master, Peter replied, we worked hard all last night and caught nothing. But if you say so, we'll do it. And you know, rather than reading you how this story ends, I want to show you this video. This is from The Chosen. This is a rendition of how this scene might have played out. Take a look. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word.
I told you. I told you. I told you. The ball gets to kill him now! My brother and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, how sorry. <laughs> Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. That's all Jesus says. He just says, follow me. People, he's so worth it. He just says, follow me. Just in those intimate moments of your life, he just says, would you just follow me? Would you quit doing life your way? And just follow me. You know, I don't know what that looks like for you today. You know, for some of you, maybe you've never decided to follow him. You know, just right in your seat. Just pray, God, I've lived life my own way. And I confess that to you. You are the Christ. And today I choose to follow you. People, this is the most important thing, the most important decision you're ever going to make in your life to say, God, I surrender. My life is yours, every part of it. You know, I don't know what that adjustment looks like for you, where to start. It might just be opening up God's word. It might be finding a spiritual partner. It might be meeting with somebody and just saying, would you help me walk this journey? It may be finding an accountability person. It may be going on a short-term mission trip. It may be joining a life group. It, it may be you know, attacking that stronghold in your life. It may be spending more time on spiritual health than physical health. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I know those words of Jesus when he says, follow me. When you go home today, 
when you turn off your screen, would you just remember those two words? Just meditate on those words this week. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Let's pray. God, those words are so simple, yet so profound. Two words that are life-changing, generation-changing. Follow me. Follow me. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.